Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Would you hand me those, please? Uh, I want to just cover a couple of things that we've been covering every week the last few weeks, and I want to continue to encourage you to read along with us in the Bible. And uh, if, if you're just joining in, just jump right in and start reading the Word of God. So we have these Bible reading programs here. really want to encourage you to participate in that one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, and encourage one another, too, to be reading along. The second thing I want to talk about is we've been talking about the Bible study on Wednesday evenings from 7 to 7.45, from 6th grade up through adults. It's really good. Another opportunity for you to get the Word of God inside of you and then continue to come on Sunday mornings and get filled up with the Word of God. You know, everything that we're doing is to drive us to a more intimate relationship with Him. And so these are tools that that you have available to you. So please take advantage of those things. They will help you in your life. This morning, before we get started, I want to, uh, I want us to recite the mission statement for Life Fellowship. You remember what it is? Can you, do you know what it is without looking at the screen? <laughs> to, okay, let, let's, let's all recite it together. You ready? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. All right, so are we doing that? Are you developing in your relationship with him? Are you growing? I hope you are. All right. Well, at this time, let's release the warrior youth. You guys head on back. And I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, entering into worship. Worship here is not entertainment. It's about an encounter and experience with God. So we want to continue to do that. This morning, I'm wrapping up this series of Blueprints for Life. If you've missed any of these teachings or online, I encourage you to go back and and check out the ones that that you may have missed. And through this series, we've looked at kind of drawn an analogy of building a home, and God is building a home in us. The the Bible says that we are the home of the Holy Spirit. He resides in us. And so we've been uh, talking about building a home, and we started this series by looking at building the foundation and the foundation of our lives is built on Christ, the solid rock. I want to read the core scripture for this series. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. And Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, Because of God's grace to me, and we talked about this initially, we talked about how Paul really probably understood the grace of God, being that he was responsible for a lot of the early Christians' deaths because he was so against this Christian movement. And then God used him in all of his training to uh, be very influential in writing a large portion, most of the New Testament. So I think, uh, I think Paul had a very good understanding about God's grace. And so he's saying, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. On the foundation, we looked at building the supports, we talked about faith and trust. There, there are a number of supports that go on to that foundation, but we talked about faith and trust in God. We looked at other support systems of obedience, choosing to follow God's blueprints for our life. Uh, relationships are another key factor in that, in building our home and God building in us. Relationships are criti- critical for keeping all the parts connected. Our relationship with God holds it all together, and then our relationships with one another are important. So, uh, and then we talked about the covering of our home is love. It's covered in love. Uh, My favorite scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So we know that it's impossible. The word says it's impossible to please God without faith. And hope is certainly important, but love is the most important 
So we should be covered and filled with God's love. And then last week, we looked at the results of our spiritual home. So when we built the foundation on Christ, when we have the correct support structure, and when we're covered in love, then we can walk in the blessings and favor of God. And so that leads into this week's topic, abundant life. The blessings and favor of God lead to, lead to abundant life. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, verse 10, a familiar scripture for most of you. Then we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 1.7. I need a Bible. I left my Bible in the office. Thank you. And it's in a large print. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I intended to bring my Bible in here, and it's just uh, didn't happen today. Okay. So I want to look at John chapter 10, and we are going to read verses 1 through 18. We're going to camp out here on a scripture, but before we get there, I thought it would be really good to just read this section. John 10, 1, and this is Jesus speaking. Whenever it's written in red, that's Jesus. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. A great example of this, uh, many of you know that Bobby and Geraldine have some Barbados sheep, and he told Christine a couple of years back that they really like animal crackers. I don't know if they eat the sheep animal crackers or not, <laughs> but, but they, uh, they love those animal crackers. And Christine, have you seen those big jugs of animal crackers that they have at Sam's? She'll buy one of those and stop by and feed them, and they know her. They recognize her. They recognize the car. When the car pulls up, they're like, is that her? I don't know. I think it is. And they kind of run over there, and then she gets out. And I remember when we first started going over there, they were a little skittish, and, and you'd reach through the fence to try to feed them, and they were, they were a little, you know, tentative about it. And now they, they eat right out of your hand. And so they recognize Christine, and, and I'm sure Bobby and Geraldine as well. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So a lot of times back in these days, they would have these sheepfolds. It would be a protection for the sheep during the night so that animals wouldn't come and attack the flock or whatever. And sometimes there were multiple shepherds using the same sheepfold, and so there were multiple flocks. The sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice. I mean, how else would they have separate? Oh, these are my sheep, though, these are mine. But the sheep recognized the shepherd's voice, and so when he would call them, they would know because they recognized his voice. They knew the shepherd, and when we were at Acquire the Fire with the youth, we would keep them all together, and, and sometimes they'd get kind of scattered out, and, and I'd say, okay, let's huddle up, warriors. And they knew my voice. And when Pastor Christine would call them, they knew her voice. They're right there, Johnny on the spot. So my point is, do you know the voice of the shepherd? Are you hearing his voice? Are you responding? They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. 
it's wonderful to have freedom and liberty, to not be concerned, knowing that our shepherd is watching over us. And so we can come, and he's going to lead us to good pastures, and, and we can just live the abundant life. Well, if you think about someone that's incarcerated or in jail, I mean, they don't have the freedom and liberty. Thank God we live in a, an environment, a, a country, in an area where, uh, for the most part, it's safe. I mean, you always hear about things going on in Houston, but that we can come and, and go freely and that we don't have to be fearful. He goes on to say in verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. And so a good shepherd stays with the sheep. He protects the sheep. He protects the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there there will be one flock with one shepherd. And so he's talking about the non-Jews here. He's talking about the Gentiles. He says, listen, it's not only the Jews that are, are the sheep, but there are other sheep. And I'm going to bring them in. And, and Paul was, you know, really instrumental in ministering to the Gentiles and non-Jews. And so Jesus is saying there's not two flocks. There's one. We are one in Christ. We are one body. Verse 17, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want, and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. And so Jesus is saying a number of things here. He's re-identifying himself as the Messiah and the Savior, and he's saying, hey, I'm the, I'm the way. He is the true shepherd. And my first point this morning is don't allow the thief to steal, kill, or destroy. Again, the topic this morning is abundant life. So I'm going to be talking about a number of different things. But let's go to John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, and kill and destroy. That's his purpose. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them, all believers, a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is making a distinction here of what an abundant life looks like and what the opposite looks like. So let's look at what abundant life is not. Let's look at this for a couple of minutes. The antonym or opposite of abundant life is sparse, lacking, not sufficient, so it's your life that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's interested in. And, and consequently, what God wants, he's interested in giving us life and being in relationship with him and having an authentic relationship with him. I was thinking about this and, uh, the other day, and, and Christine said something that really sparked, sparked my thinking. And I was thinking to steal means to take something that doesn't belong to you, Right? And so the enemy has come to steal something that doesn't belong to him. He's looking to take things that are not his. And one of the biggest tools to trick us is believing his lies. And there are a number of lies that the enemy will try to plant. This is not a tithing message. I, I teach on tithing a couple of times a year, and uh, I'm not ashamed to talk about it because I want you to be blessed. And Malachi 3 says, when we bring all the tithes in the storehouse, God will bless us. 
But this is one of the areas that I think the enemy just wreaks havoc on believers in. Well, well, I can't afford to tithe or, or whatever it may be, whatever the lies are that we believe. And we teach that God's word is clear that we're to bring the first of the 10% of our increase to the local church. It belongs to him, guys. That's what the word says. The first of our increase, the first 10% belongs to him. And it states in Malachi 3 that we're to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. This is a place where we're spiritually fed and nourished. So when we obey that command, God promises, promises to abundantly bless us financially. And so that's why we teach tithing. Because why would we not want you to be blessed financially? Plus, we have a responsibility to teach you the truth, to teach you all the truth. But we're talking about abundant life. But I know there are a lot of people, there are a lot of Christians that aren't walking in the fullness. Tithing is important because when we give the first of our increase to God, he blesses, he promises. He says in his word, test me in this. I think he's saying, go ahead, just make my day because I want to bless you. And so when we give the first 10% of our increase, God promises to protect, cover, and expand the 90%. And many of you are tithing, and you know that to be true. The thief will come and steal more than 10%. If he gets a foothold in, he's going to take more than that. Uh, A thief that breaks into a home is going to take as many valuables as possible. Can you imagine that a thief would break into a house and there's three or four computers there and he would say, well, you know, I don't want to leave them stranded. I'm going to leave them with one computer. That's probably not going to happen. The thief has come to steal all that he can. And financial lack is one of the main contributors of divorce. It puts a lot of pressure. So again, this isn't a tithing message, but I want you and God wants you to walk in the abundant life. And finances impact every area of our life. Would you agree with that? And you see people that are stressed out over finances. You see people that get divorced. I don't have to talk about the consequences of divorce. You know the devastation that happens from that. And so God wants to bless our life, every area of our life. And if the thief can shipwreck our homes financially, it impacts every area of our life. The thief has come to steal our joy. You know, people that that are just depressed all the time and can't get out of a funk. The thief has come to steal our joy. He's come to steal our peace. He's come to steal everything that he can. When he gets in that, when he can get through that door, then he's going to begin to steal everything that he can. He will steal from every area of our life. He comes to steal your life. And what I've seen so often is it's not one catastrophic event. It's a series of things that begin to happen in our lives. God wants us to walk in the covering and the blessing of his But the enemy will come and begin to chip away. John 10, 10, the first part. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. In reality, the thief comes to do more than just steal. He desires to kill. He's not satisfied just to steal, but he wants to kill. It's one thing to hear about a person that's been robbed, and we hear about it on the news all the time. It's one thing to hear about somebody getting robbed, but it's quite another that they get killed too. And you hear about a lot of those things. They seem so senseless. It's so what? Why? There was no reason to do that. I know individuals that have gradually had everything taken from them. Oftentimes, they've they've had their spiritual life snuffed out through withdrawing from God, isolating themselves. And like we've talked about before, you've seen it on TV, National Geographic. When one of those attacking animals can separate one from the herd, 
their history. That's another trick of the enemy is to isolate us and get us isolated, and then he can rip us up. And I've seen people that have begun to withdraw from God and the community of, of believers that love them, around them. And next thing you know, they're, they're off somewhere. I've seen people even physically die because, you know, they just get isolated, and then the enemy will pick them off. The thief will kill hope. The thief will kill and exterminate everything that he can. John 10, 10, again, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief will leave behind a path of destruction. Think about the images that you've seen where a tornado, maybe a mile wide, you've seen pictures where it just comes through a town or an area and it just completely devastates that whole area. The destruction, unless it's out in the country, normally doesn't just impact one home. It impacts a whole neighborhood, a whole community, maybe a whole town. The destruction impacts the neighbors, the neighborhood, the entire community. It's rare that just one individual life is destroyed. Because even if it were just one home, those people have relatives, they have cousins, they have aunts and uncles, they have friends, they have people that, that are impacted by that. What if your life was destroyed by drugs? I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I, you know, I don't want you to answer, but I just want you to ponder these. What if your life was destroyed by drugs or alcohol? Maybe some of you, some of us have struggled with those things in the past. And, uh, you know, for me, it wasn't just drugs or alcohol. It was both. <laughs> and so God was protecting me. I see the hand of God in my life, but I was trying to destroy my own life. Many of you have struggled with some of these things. Uh, maybe gambling. Here's one that we don't like to talk about in church, but pornography. Destroying people's lives, marriages. What if your life was being destroyed by something? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. It can be a, a myriad of different things. How would that impact your spouse? If your life was being destroyed, how would it impact your children? How would it impact your current or future grandchildren? your extended family, your friends. Listen, guys, when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, it doesn't just impact us. There's a domino effect that happens. What about your church? What about the people that love you? What about the people that you're connected with? What about your relationship with God? When the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, what, what happens to people's relationship with God? A lot of times it, it falters. And they begin to get sucked down into a vortex that they never get out of or takes them years. What about all the goals and plans God has for your life? What happens to those things? When the enemy comes in and destroys our life, what happens to those plans that God has for you? And we've been talking about blueprints for life. God has a plan for you, a great plan for you. But if we get off track, if, if our life is destroyed, can we ever fulfill those great plans? The thief does not take prisoners. He makes prisoners. He binds people up. He traps, captures, binds people up, then kills and destroys their lives. The Bible not only gives us blueprints, but also warns us against the dangers, the trappings. That's why we're encouraging you to read your Bible. Come to Bible study. Continue to come on Sunday mornings. That's why we're pouring into your kids, your children. They need it. 
God desires you to live an abundant life, a full life. So don't give the thief the key to your home. Listen, if you saw some thugs walking through the neighborhood, you're, hey, what's up? Here's the key to my house. Come check it out. You wouldn't give them the key to your house. Don't give the thief the, the key to your heart and your life. The word says, above all things, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't give the thief anything. He's come to steal the things that are not his. It doesn't belong to him. Your life belongs to God. So stay connected to him. My second point this morning is Christ in us is stronger than the thief. I don't, I, today I have, but generally I don't talk a lot about the thief. I don't talk about Satan. I don't talk about the enemy very much. Clearly we have an enemy. The word says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places. So there is an enemy of our soul, and clearly we have a, an enemy. We have won. Through Christ, he's been defeated. So we don't talk a lot about a battle that's already won. We can walk in the fullness of life. We can walk in victory because of what Christ has done on the cross for us. We can walk in the power of God. We can just walk in his power. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may come and guide you and lead you into all truth. The enemy is the father of lies. He's a liar. And how many times have you bought a lie? Hook, line, and sinker. But Jesus said, I am the truth. 1 John 4, 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Greater is Christ in you than the enemy of our soul. So we can walk in victory. We don't have to be fearful. We can just allow God to continue to pour into us and, and just look out for the traps. There are traps, but just avoid them. Just stay out of those places. Listen, if, if you've got a drinking problem, don't sit at the bar at the restaurant if they don't have a table. Come on, use some common sense. Just wait for a table. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. And we've talked about that word power, the Greek word dunamis, dynamite, where we get our word dynamite from, supernatural power. We can walk in the power and the love of God. So we have authority and power over the thief through Christ. We have power and authority. Are you walking in the power and authority? First of all, do you recognize that you have the power and authority? Okay. Do you realize that? And then secondly, are you walking in that? Do not fear. Be bold and courageous. Be strong by the power of his might. Not of our might, but his might. My third point is live the abundant life. My first point is don't allow the thief to steal, kill, or destroy. Don't give him the keys. Don't let him in. Christ in us is stronger than the thief. So walk in the power and the authority that Christ has already allocated to us. Live the abundant life. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, all believers, a rich and satisfying life. The enemy is already defeated. Jesus came to give us abundant life. The Greek word for abundant is perosos, and it's translated here, a rich and satisfying life. But it really, it means more than that. It means more. Abundant life means more, greater, excessive, abundant, exceedingly. Christ came to give us an excessive, exceedingly abundant life. I came in order that the believers might continuously have abundant life. 
He came that we would continuously walk in the abundance that he came to give us and that they would have life all around, abundant life all around in every area of our life. One of the lies that the thief is most effective at having people believe is that we're not good enough to receive God's love, that we have to perform. And I hear that so often, and we talk about it a lot here at Life Fellowship. We're not good enough, but we're saved by grace. It's, we don't have to be good enough. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe. It's not about our performing. And I don't know how many times I hear people say, well, I just, I just don't think God loves me. I just don't think I'm good enough to receive his love. Or I may not hear the words, but I see it in action. Because action speaks louder than words, where people just don't really believe that God loves them. They can't receive it, maybe because of their woundedness, or maybe their earthly father, or whatever the bad examples may be. But would you tell your children that they're not good enough to receive your love? I hope you wouldn't. Maybe you've been told that, but it's a lie. It's a lie that God is not looking for our performance. He just wants to be in relationship with us. He created each of us individually. I heard a story about a football player that he was always asking his dad to come to the football game, and his, his dad finally showed up, and he had a great game. He had a great game, and he, you know, he went up to his dad. He was so glad to see his dad, and his dad said, you let that one little uh, running back get around you? What, was, what were you thinking, boy? And it crushed him. And the enemy is effective in telling people that they're not worthy of God's love. And so they will go, people will go off and do all kinds of crazy things, try to earn God's love, when all they have to do is simply open their arms and receive all that God has for them. It's not about performing. It's about God's love and grace and just receiving it. Jesus came to give you a rich and full, satisfying life, a greater life. Do not settle for mediocrity. Jesus died on the cross to take every sin you ever have or ever will commit. Jesus died to take on every sin of humanity, all of us. Not only each and every one of our sins, but all of humanity. I want us to follow God's blueprint for our life. I mean, he's laid out the blueprint for us, and it's our choice to walk in the fullness of life and implement the blueprints that he's already laid out or say, no, I'm going to draw up my own plans. I'm going to do my own thing. God loves you, and he wants a real and authentic relationship with you. He desires to pour his blessings and favor out on you. You can't be good enough to earn it. You just have to receive it. Live the abundant life that Christ came to give you. I want you to repeat this after me. I choose to live the abundant life Christ came to give me. It's a choice, guys, that we follow him. Deuteronomy 30, 20, the key to your life is love God, obey God, commit firmly to him. It's really not that difficult. The thing that the Lord would really have us get this morning is that we need to live the abundant life. Don't settle. Please, don't settle. Whatever blocks you have, bondages, or whatever things are binding you up, take those and give them to the Lord. If there's anything keeping you from walking in the fullness of life, because Christ came 
and gave his life for us so that we could walk in that fullness. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't have that abundant life, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, maybe you did at one point in time, but you've walked away, you know that God is speaking to your heart. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you for being honest. God loves you. God has a great plan for you. Would you just uh, say this prayer quietly? Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I desire to yield my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I thank you that today is a new day and a fresh start for me. All the stuff from the past has been washed clean and I receive your forgiveness. I receive all your forgiveness and I thank you for a fresh start. I thank you for a new day and I put all that old stuff behind me and I press on forgetting all the past, all the past stuff. In Jesus' name. I want to pray another prayer over you, two ladies. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill them with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them to overflowing with your great love, and that they would experience you in a, in a measure that they never dreamed possible, Lord God, that you would pour into their lives, that you would speak to them, that they would hear your small, still voice clearly. And Father, I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you for the gift of new life. And I thank you for, for new beginnings, God. I thank you for fresh starts. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone hearing this message that doesn't understand or doesn't believe that they can walk in the abundant life, I pray somehow you would break through that Mindset and that thinking, that stinking thinking, and help them to understand that they can walk in the fullness of life that you came to give. Not just in one area or this area or that area, but in every area of their life, God. And I thank you that you do amazing things through our lives where you take clay vessels that are sometimes broken and wounded and you gently restore all of us back into health and you begin to lead us down the right path and then you begin to do amazing things through our lives as we yield to you not only in our life but in the lives of others around us and so father i thank you i thank you jesus that you came to give us abundant life and i pray that we will not live lives of mediocrity but we will live lives of abundance. In Jesus' name. As you go from this place, live the abundant life and share the abundant life with others. There are people out there that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's effective at doing that. But you have the hope of Christ. Share the love of Christ with them and live a life that draws others to him. Will you do that? God and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us this morning.